welcome to SickCast, brought to you by Sick Research Institute, illuminating every path. Welcome to our series commemorating Baibir Singh and his enchanting story written about Rana Surat Singh. Hosting the series will be myself, Kiranjot Kaur, the associate editor here at Sikri, and Inni Kaur, the creative director at Sikri, as well as the translator of Baibir Singh's work. Rana Surat Singh is the tale of an estranged widow, Rani Raj Kaur, who's pining for her late husband. Within the story, Paivir Singh takes us all on a journey from the temporal realm of spousal longing into the depths of a mystical relationship with the divine. We become Rani Rajkor by hearing about her intense desire to meet her king or her late husband Rana Surat Singh. Her story begins with Satsang, a community of inspired beings, and so it makes sense for us to begin the podcast series here as well. Bhaivir Singh's emphasis on community in this story is perhaps a reflection on the value he places on the larger Sikh community, and perhaps his need to reinvigorate Sikh paradigms with the same love-filled devotion one experiences in the presence of the satsang. We too are building and living in a community with these podcasts. By the end, we as the audience really hope to identify with Rani Rajkor and begin to realize our own spiritual journeys in this tale. By Veer Singh's artful prose and elegant ability to weave this mystical story is something that might change us forever and maybe even ignite a light so bright that we too transform, just as Rani Rajkor does. Join our journeys as we explore the intricacies of the Rani's transformation from lover to gurmukh or guru-inspired being in this podcast series. A series that we hope will detail our own reflective silences and mind-opening realizations as we immerse ourselves into Bhaivir Singh's world of Sikhi, hope, and resilience. Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the next segment of this powerful story about Rana Surat Singh, written by Bhaivir Singh. In the previous podcast, we had this absolutely magical conversation with Iniji about how longing moves one to do things. And this longing of the Rani takes her to becoming... Uh, a part of a particular satsang. We talked a lot about the narrative stage in which this story takes place. And from what I gained in the story of Rani Rajkor, she's pining. She has a deep longing to connect, to get a glimpse of Rana Surat Singh, her late husband. She has this belief that it is possible and will do anything to experience that. And it's when she enters the satsang that she feels that she has reached the right place. It's when she enters the satsang that she feels um, that that's that, the place where she belongs. She gets hope, and this hope is the thing that pushes her further. And a guru-oriented being guides her and explains the path, that if she follows this path, she will finally get to meet her beloved Surat Singh. And she finally listens intently as to what is being revealed to her. So the first step in that glorious journey is Ishnan or cleansing. And when we think about purification, some of us might think of water as the traditional sign of cleanliness and purity. Today, mainstream videos where people are trying to purify their lives and introduce practices of wellness into their routines often begins with showering or spending time near water. So Eniji, uh, welcome back and thank you for joining us. And I ask you to 
maybe reacquaint us with the Narni story and the main themes that you got from it as you were reading, especially with this non. So Guru Fateh Kiranjo, thank you so much for hosting the the second episode in this podcast series. Um, and welcome back, everyone. This is the story of uh, Rani Rajkor, the story of a woman who is looking for her husband, pining for her husband who has gone to the next world. But if we look at that story only through that lens, we have made it small. This really is a story of a seeker wanting to experience something a lot vaster. But you know, Kiran, when you began this uh, this podcast in the introduction, you you used the word hope. And that word immediately took me back to the chapter where when the Rani enters the satsang, she feels that she has reached the right place and she gets hope. And this hope pushes her further. So what is this hope? What is hope? So I want to share with you what Pai Singh has written about hope. He writes that destiny dropped the human from the ethers to the earth. Along with the human, destiny also dropped the string of hope. And what happened? The, the human wrapped the string of hope within its heart. And this string of hope has pushed the has become the anchor of the human. So for, for those lovers who cannot bear the separation, hope supports them to continue. Hope is that thing, Kiran, that puts us through the surgeon's knife. We have this hope that after the surgery, we will get well. We have the hope that the bet, bitter medicine of the, of the doctor, which we will take, will get us better. That is that hope. And for that lover, it is that hope that continues. Imagine if there was no hope within us. We would be lifeless. There would be no reason to live. It is that hope that pushes her. And this is that hope that has entered the Rani's heart. It has brought her comfort. And it it has also increased her desire to meet her husband. So let's pause and think for a moment for ourselves. What if there was, if hope had been taken away from us? We were down in the dumps and there was no way that hope was there to lift us up. We would be lifeless. It is hope that pushes us, isn't it? Wow. I, I really never thought so deeply about hope. And I guess I've personally been so afraid of such strong emotions like these, but I see a lot of value behind genuine hope as well and and just really believing in in the greater the greater good something beyond. Um but I I do want to go back to my original question because I really want to know what your understanding of Ishnan is. This is something that really was kind of like there's an itch in my brain and I wanted to know because for me as a Sikh, my understanding of Ishnan comes from Japji Sahib because this is a Barney that I'm very connected to. It's a, a Barney that I try to recite every day. And I honestly feel like it's constantly revealing itself to me and probably thousands of other six. Um, and in Japji Sai, for example, there's a stanza. And I think it's referring to cleanliness. It says, Pariye hat pair tande, Barney tote utra sukhe, 
मूतपलीती कपड़ होए दे साबू ने ओ तोए परिए मत पापा के संग ओ तोपे नावे के रंग you know, so to me what i am getting from this is that we can't fake purity you can wash your body a million times participate in as many bath rituals as you want to you know to feel clean but until you purify your mind it's going to be of no use and you know it's funny last weekend my husband thought it was a good idea to go for a turkish bath ritual and historically this is practiced in islamic countries as a ritual to clean and purify the body and sure you know it was good it felt good to be bathed and it was kind of healing but was i have a, having a spiritual experience i wouldn't say so it was very worldly and it was very physical so now i'm wondering iniji you know what was your initial reaction when you got to the point in the story where you know you are reading about ishnan right this is the very beginning of um a journey that rani rajkor is about to embark on so what's what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of this word and you think of this concept in sikh sikhi mm. turkish bath ritual now isn't that that would be fun karen um ishnan <laughs> yeah you know I had been searching for years for someone to explain me why ishnan was important because when I was translating sedgo this line came to, this line was there gurmukh naam danishnan so when i read um that line i couldn't fathom what ishnan was i had a cursory understanding of of dan and naam but ishnan the depth and the beauty i didn't know what it was so when i came across it in rana surat singh i remember crying that night overwhelmed with the gift that i had received because i had been searching for the meaning of ishnan and that is actually what compelled me to translate these three cantons was when i came across this explanation at first i only wanted to translate the power of ishnan but then i soon realized that it, that in doing so would be an injustice to the readers so when we use the word ishnan we use it in multiple contexts which means the meaning is maybe slightly different for everyone like you said it's bathing well in rana surat singh ishnan is used in a very specific context of what guru nanak sahib has revealed in set coast so we need to put it in that context you know gurmukh naam dan ishnan a guru oriented being is blessed with naam dan and ishnan so let's look at ishnan through that lens if we may so for for the one who yearns who is you know longing to experience the vastness the divinity within to become guru oriented what ishnan bathing cleansing does that individual need to do so look at it from that line it's no longer the body right so i will share with you i want to share with you and our listeners the different types of ishnan that are mentioned in the book in the story 
At the body level, it's quite simple. Ishnan is bathing, cleansing, reflection. We know that. And it's quite elementary. Keep your body clean by bathing, wear appropriate clothes, eat and sleep adequately, keep the body healthy. Now, that is body Ishnan. That is what you do for your body. And then there is the cleansing of the mind, Ishnan of the Man. Mind is Man. And the way to do that Ishnan is protect the mind from inferior thoughts. Keep the mind low, like the pond that collects the water from a spring and not the mountain, you know, not high like the mountain top. This is now Man Da Ishnan, cleansing of the mind that every time you are protecting your mind. We go further, that there is Mat, intellect. Mat Da Ishnan, the cleansing of the intellect. How does that take place? Well, keep the intellect clean from unethical thoughts. Now, there's a difference between mind and intellect. So these are subtle differences which, which are within us, which we need to be aware of as we begin this journey of Nam Danishnan. So why do we want to clean or protect our intellect from unethical thoughts? And we want to do that because we want to make the intellect firm, firmly in command of, of the mind. The intellect needs to be stronger than the mind because a weak intellect cannot differentiate whether the thoughts that are constantly arising in our mind are good or bad. And the one thing which he writes, what Pavir Singh writes is, keep your intellect under the divine's protection. Or some would say the creator's protection, so it's elevated. So that intellect is connected to that higher thought. This is the way to cleanse the mind. As if this was not enough, Kiran. We now come to Chit Dadan. Chit is consciousness. So there is man, there's body, there is man, mind, there is intellect. And now this is your consciousness. You know, Sigmund Freud divides human consciousness into three levels of awareness, the conscious, the pre-conscious, and the unconscious. Now, I don't want to get into that. For me, for me, it's quite simple. Intellect is that thinking capacity. When the situation arises and we use our intellect to make the, make the decisions or our choices. However, consciousness, chit is different. Because, you know, for, from a very young age, I was told or somehow I became very aware that I needed to protect my consciousness. So when I read this in the story, it made perfect sense to me. What is it that the many thoughts that arise and enter our consciousness? So be aware of those thoughts. And it is discard them as quickly as they arise so that the virtues the guna can dominate. It is when that thought arises, what consciousness does is, where did that thought arise from? Why am I even thinking that it's, it, it has come into me? Is that something which I need to work on? That is what the consciousness does. And it's the constantly 
cleansing of the consciousness of being aware where is this coming from and protecting it and then we come to the ultimate cleansing which is atam ishnan so what is atma ishnan you know we've been through now body mind intellect chit consciousness so you've done all those ishnans and now you've come to the last one atam ishnan or atma ishnan which is your essence the spirit this is when you are able to observe and recognize that the body the mind the mat the intellect and consciousness chit are all different and separate entities within yourself that's what i was saying in the beginning make you know walk with me on this see the difference recognize those differences it is when you realize you are separate from the body you are atma you are spirit you are essence that things begin to happen you are distinct from this body and when you realize you're not the body you're not an illusion then you become an inseparable part of the creator of the jyot of the divine this is that atma ishnan the realization that one is not just the body but a living spark a jyot of the divine i know this was long winded but i wanted to carry you through this the different stages of ishnan and how to look at ishnan wow yeah you mentioned atma ishnan as the final stage in ishnan that's that's quite powerful it it really made me kind of sit and and pause for a second as you were speaking you know like that we are the atam the essence you know the life force or the self or the spirit we aren't our bodies essentially you know we are inseparable from the creator we aren't just this matter nature the things that we see but we're a spark of the creator and i think that there can be a, a, a lot of different ways people come to this understanding um you know while it might feel very vague and complicated and you know obviously mystical as well for me i think like i might feel most connected to this idea when i'm doing simran jap you know when i feel like my i stop feeling my mouth and when i am chanting vahiguru you know it feels like i'm floating in space it doesn't happen often you know but i do in that moment feel like i'm not realizing where i am and where i'm sitting and what room i'm in and it's a really really beautiful disconnect from those perceived things that we think we are you know and i i wonder niji this might be very personal but you know do you ever have those meal sorry if you can cut that out do you ever have those moments where you too feel like you are spirit and spirit alone i think um for me the closest that has been there that for me the closest thing has been at times when i feel i'm part of nature that i'm part of this beautiful dance in nature that i feel i see it and feel the music within and dance to it like i'm swayed i'm literally moved by it that i'm not separate that i'm one 
um, I know I'm not this body. I am consciousness, and I also know consciousness never never dies. It is eternal. Uh, these are the things that I know, I believe, and I experience. You know, to experience uh, the vastness, even for a split second, like you have said, that you experience this something when you are chanting Bahai Guru. It's for a split second or for a moment that you experience it. But then that is what wants, makes you want to experience it more. And this is where hope comes in. And you hope to experience it 24-7. And when that, you know, so that is that thing that there's a desire arises within and you push yourself to feel that connection, to feel something larger than yourself. And that realization that you are not just this body and there is much more to it. Wow, you you know, you mentioned desire. And while I was reading the story, you know, I have to say that I strongly felt that we as humans are always longing for something, you know, whether it's the spouse or the other mundane things like houses, careers, or the status. But, you know, it begs the question, like, do we in today's day and age actually have really strong desires like Rani Rajkor? You know, desires that we are willing to go to the ends of the earth for, I'm talking about. You know, like desires that if we turn the, that energy towards the divine, those desires that have the potential to completely transform our lives. You know, because it seems like we don't see much of the this type of, you know, desire and longing. And so when I was reading this part, it was really hard to connect to Rani in this way. Because I mean, yeah, sure. You know, I want things, but I don't know if I could be completely besides myself to see those desires actually come to fruition, you know? And here's another, you know, personal question, Aniji, and I'm clearly asking a lot of those, but, and you don't need to answer it, but as you were reading, I would really like to know about your personal experiences working with this passage, because, you know, I know that I was going through so so much transformation and so much you know, moments where I was just pausing and really thinking. And I want to know, like, how did your translation um, and your working with these passages, did it ever, did it change you? There was a lot of there that you asked, Karen. <laughs> so if I'm, I'm going to take it in stages. So if I'm understanding your question as such, to me, this is what I am getting can you connect with that type of longing? Because you use the word desire, right? So for me, that desire is that in her within is that intense longing. And yeah, and the answer to that is yes. Um, you know, I cannot speak to the fact where that depth of longing, that whether the depth of longing that is in Rani Rajkor was the same or is the same as mine. However, there was an intense longing in me that propelled me and I changed um, at some point in my life. Changed so much that my mother said, I'm no longer the same any. She knew. So when your mother says that, you know that you have changed. It is the intense longing that change you, changes you, where day and night you are driven by it. You think of nothing else but that. 
It is like you're consumed by it. You are walking, talking, eating, but in your consciousness, in your chit, that longing is always there. And somewhere along the way, that intense longing no longer burns you, but becomes sweet. And it is as if a centering takes place, or for a bad, you know, or for a lack of a better word, a knowing enters you. And then there's a sweet silence within. So yes, I can relate to that longing. And maybe that's the reason I'm so close to the story. Um, it is when you're translating, you become part of the character. You take on, the, between the character and you, the lines blur very easily. And in my journey and Rani Rajkor's journey, that's why I have learned so much from this and I continue to read. And now you had asked the question, has, has this changed you? You know, there are changes that are visible. However, the real changes happen at the subconscious level. You know, there is an heightened sense of awareness of the thoughts that are entering my consciousness, my chit, that um, I am very aware. I'm paying a lot more attention to them. Like, as I said earlier, why did this thought even arise? Where is it coming from? And at the subconscious level, I don't know what is taking place, but I know at the conscious level, it is I am scrutinizing, um, dissecting, and maybe being a little unkind to myself and hard on myself. How, how did this thought even enter my consciousness? So when you work with the, this text, I've worked with this text for two and a half years plus, it's bound to affect you. Um, I know I have a a deeper understanding of the depths of Ishtar. And I also know that this is the first step in the journey to become guru-oriented, to become a gurmukh. So I need to be to pay special attention to the intellect and the chit, the mat and the chit. Um, the mind, yes. The body, yes, but it is actually the mat and the chit that where I need to, if for a lack of a better word, guard them, protect them, be very conscious of them. Wow, Eniji, I think that's a huge compliment for your from your mom to say, you know what, you've changed. I think mothers have this um, intuition about their children and um, know when they're going through serious transformations in their lives. So it's really beautiful that, um, you know, you heard, you know, that's what you heard from her. And honestly, I, it sounds that you've been very reflective and I, I hope to be in the same position as you one day as well myself. And I know that Rani Rajkor's story is so profound and filled with so many moments that really make one's head bow in reverence and I feel like I could read it over and over again and I'm I'm still missing something that that feels like it would be key for my own spiritual development 
And, you know, this is obviously one of the reasons why I'm so excited to curate and host this series, because every single time we sat down to record, it was going to be something different. And, you know, while we cover the, the journey of Ronnie Dodgecore, you know, maybe we can't help but think of our own journeys. And it's through conversation that I think that we build community and we grow. And so I really, I really thank you, Aniji, for taking the time um, to open up and, you know, uh, let me ask these very personal questions. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's really important, I think, for, for me and my own spiritual journey, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners as well. And so I'm excited that next time uh, we're going to journey with Rani into Dawn, right? And um, Dawn is a kind of giving. It's a, a giving that in this story leads to an even, even deeper transformation. And so I'm really excited for our listeners to come back and um, join us for that. And if there would, there's any feedback or any kind of comments or any conversations that anyone wants to start via email, please feel free to contact me at getinjolt.core at sikri.org. And Indiji, I have to say thank you once more. It was it was lovely, you know, getting to spend my morning and having this conversation with you. Um, and to all of our listeners, Vaigujika Khalsa, Vaigujiki Fateh. Guru Fateh, everyone, and thank you, Kiran, for hosting this. You were listening to Sick Cast by Sick Research Institute illuminating every path.